0: Welcome to
1: Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun. You know, winning is fun, but winning big puts us on the sustained path of success. And that is real fun. I've also found that because each one of our journeys are different, the starting points, the paths, the end destinations, it's very important to learn and have conversations with people and leaders from all walks of life all over the world. And in that spirit today, it's a pleasure and honor to welcome my VIP guest, Yannick Silver, an entrepreneur, a digital marketing expert and a true adventure seeker. And that's what I really want to learn a little bit about how his personality, his spirit, and that whole desire to find and seek adventure brings him and makes him successful in the business world. His book Evolved Enterprise has been described as a journey for the 21st century entrepreneurs ready to explore the greater purpose, joy, and meaningful impact through creating fierce brand loyalty. And I really love the word word fierce because to me, I feel brand loyalty is a yes, no. And the moment I read about fierce brand loyalty, it really hit home. And I really wanted to talk to this man right away. And also takes brand to marketplace leadership and deliver exceptional profit. Yannick is also the founder of Maverick 1000, a global network of visionary entrepreneurs making a serious difference in the world without taking themselves too seriously. Yannick, welcome to see Chris to Win Big. Thank you, Arjun. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, you know, at the very beginning, I just want to go, something I found in your website, you talk about your living or taking brands to the intersection of more profits, more fun, more impact. How can somebody say no to that?
0: Exactly. Why, if you can win big uh, doing it that way, why not? And it really is true. I mean, there's a seismic shift happening. And, and this is what consumers want from you as a brand. They want a greater mission. They want a greater purpose. And they want something that they can get behind. And mm-hmm. then your team members want that as well.
1: So how did you come up with the more profit, more fun, more impact? Because corporate world usually fun is not in the goal. You know, sometimes we just do not care how we cross the finish line with one arm, one leg and forget about the smile or the fun. So how did you come with this?
0: Come on, Yeah, please. you know, I think it's just a natural piece that I've always, growing up I was a bit of the class clown and and I, I've always just loved weird. Hmm. I think right now the world is rewarding weird. Like they hmm. want, like people want to see you in your authentic self and also Brands are being asked to show up as our authentic selves. You know, it's, it's no longer okay to just hide behind our own corporate rhetoric. It's, it's like we, brands need to stand for something uh, if they want to succeed now. And people want to be associated with something that is interesting and playful and fun, but it's got to be authentic and it's got to be real. And that's where all those three things interconnect where actually when you're having more fun, you're actually, you have the opportunity to make more. You're making greater impact, you have the opportunity to make more. And and have more fun. So they're all interconnected. In fact,
1: I love that. So let me go back to you as the kid, and you talked about how you were different. You know, it takes a lot of inner confidence to be the class clown and make others laugh. But at the end, you were not taking yourself seriously, but you still believed in yourself. So where did that confidence come from?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I think it it, it showed up. Uh, I just always thought differently. And, and it wasn't until I started listening to mentor, like, I I believe that you can have mentors in person, you can have mentors in, in, you know, audio podcasts like this, obviously, you know, we're not around when I was, when I was young, I grew up in a family that immigrant success story kind of family. My my parents came over from Russia when I was three years old and had $256 between them uh, for me and my, and, and my parents and my grandmother. And my dad started a medical equipment sales and service company about six months after coming to the States. And so I grew up in this idea that you can, you can do something different. Mm -hmm. And, but it wasn't really until I got exposed to personal transformation work, like Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn and different people like that. When I was about 17 or 18, I was actually out on the road, cold calling clients, Uh, telemarketing when I was 14, cold calling clients when I was 16, because my dad told me, go, Mr. go make some sales. And I only got a car if I, if I did that. And one of my doctor clients, who I, I sold him an entire surgery center, started giving me some of these ideas. And it really put some words and thinking to what I was always thinking inside my head that if you want to be the same thing as other people, you just go and do the same things. But if you want to you know, have different results, it requires doing something different. And Earl Nightingale really helped put those words to, to what I was thinking in my head.
1: So I want to learn a little more about that 14-year-old doing cold calls how was it like and what did it teach you that you're bringing today and making you this cool yannick silver sitting in front of me
0: it's so interesting because you know i i hated it um, mm. you know my, my dad's like here here's the white pages go call on dennis and go sell some latex gloves mm-hmm. and and then at 16 it was i only got a car if i went out on cold call i mean i'm talking to doctors who are 50 60 maybe 70 years old and i'm a you know, 16, 17 year old kid. Um, it, it taught me a lot about sales, obviously, because, you know, you get a lot of no's and then when you get that yet one yes, it's like, yes, you know, everything kind of lights up. But it did also teach me that maybe there's another way. And I started learning about direct response marketing uh, mm-hmm. when I was very early. And I, I started, I was just intrigued by this idea that, wow, I could have, I could write an ad or a letter and have a doctor actually raise their hand and say, I wanna know more about this. And then they wanted to talk to me, like they were actually interested instead of me co calling them. And so that was a huge, huge learning. And then I applied that everywhere because I looked at the internet was just another media channel. Mm -hmm. And you could apply, you know, you could have thousands, millions of people come to your website and and be ethically persuaded to be interested in what you had out there. So that became a huge leverage point for me. And it grew my dad's business to a little read from a regional player to a national player where he'd look at these ads and he's like, nobody's gonna read all this, and I'm like, oh. I call my dad Joe. I'm like, Joe, let's just try it, and he's like, he's like, okay, and then we get like a thousand percent return on investment from 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 uh, these things that were completely counterintuitive. Mm-hmm.
1: So of course I have to ask you this question: Did you get the car, and what kind of car was it?
0: Ah, well, it was just a little Toyota Corolla named Carol. I have, you know, you have to name all your cars. Of course you have to. So this is Carol the Corolla. It was my dad's, you know, hand me down. Uh, Toyota Corolla, but I outfitted it with some fun stickers and a ski rack. And um, and then I'd have all these tapes in the car. So I, ice hockey players still play and my, my buddies would be in the car on road trips with me and they're like, what the hell are these tapes? I'm like, oh, don't worry about it. You're not going to like these. And, mm-hmm. and, but, but, you know, again, like just thinking different, doing things differently that sometimes is even, you know, gets you more than halfway, maybe 80% of the way um, mm-hmm. of, of just looking at something different. Um, you know, there's, like like, just thinking about what, what could your brand do that's different? And I had a, a seminar I ran for about a decade called the Underground Seminar, which was uh, we, a lot of people in the industry were the same exact people getting up on stage, talking about how they were making money online, and then they're selling how to make money online. So it was just very, you know, just almost incestual in that way. And I'm like, okay, what, what could be different there? And I said, okay, let's bring in real people who are doing really well online, but nobody knows who they are. And then let's make it also fun. So we made it experiential and created a spy theme. And people loved it. And it became, you know, the event in that, in that space for quite a while.
1: Yeah, and what I like is, you know, to me, many a times is how you start the journey. And not only you were an entrepreneur from day one, but also when you talk about the tapes, you were already from day one investing in yourself to be better. Now let's get into entrepreneurship. And you know, you have talked about how entrepreneurs are artists, and who should look at their business as a canvas and describe what they want to do with it. You know, most of us normally look at business first with numbers, we look at business with a spreadsheet, not a canvas. So where did this thought come about? And how does it make Business is different by with this unique perspective.
0: It really is. So I I think I think of entrepreneurs as as true artists because you're taking a business model, and especially if you're taking something that has such meaning to you about what is your why and what is your cause. You know, in in evolved enterprise, I talk about this framework Mm -hmm. of starting with you and evolving yourself and then getting to what is my real why and the cause that, that I want to help. And then it creates that community, it creates the creation, the product of service, it creates the culture. And that to me is this beautiful canvas really. And, you know, not all entrepreneurs think of themselves as, as creative individuals or even artists, but they are, because that, that becomes your toolbox that becomes your canvas and your tool set. And you really can then say, okay, how do I, how do I want to show up? What does this brand stand for? What do I want to be in the world that has, that greater difference. And, and we can do things that, that actually connect our head, which are business side, marketing side, number side with yeah. our heart, which is the impact we want to make in the world. And then even our, our highest purpose. And uh, I have this little drawing. Um, I created something called the cosmic journal and in there near the end, I have a, a thing that says, write the business love story. You want the world to buy. And, and that's where it really can become this, this beautiful piece of art. Wow. So what's your business love story that you want the world to buy? Good question. I want to use the leverage of business to to nudge the consciousness of the world by just one degree, mm-hmm. just a little bit, and you know that little little one degree nudge then becomes a bigger nudge and bigger nudge. It's like you know we we, we turn uh, a ship just one degree all of a sudden it can make massive change mm-hmm. uh, and and to me, consciousness is that foundational piece that that entrepreneurs, that companies can be looking at, because then it, it impacts every single decision, right? Like the intentionality of what we're doing and changing from how do we extract as much from, from the world to how do we become stewards um, of, of what are our natural resources. And then, but we don't have to sacrifice our profits for it. I think that's where, you know, there's paradox comes in. Um, that this new way of doing business costs more, but but truly it, can increase your business if it's done well with authenticity and a genuineness to it.
1: So to me, I think I love the one degree and I can see a book by you. <laughs> How would you move your business one degree? Because think, Titanic, the story would have been different if they could even move by half a degree and that could have been a different story. Yeah. So let's talk a about, little about entrepreneurs. Uh, so who is the target audience, ideal entrepreneurs? Where do they need to be before Yannick helps them? And how do you help them?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, the, the ones that I, I work the most with are, are typically entrepreneurs that have already been successful, whatever that means, and that they realize that there's something else bigger mm-hmm. uh, and they're, they're figuring out what, what is that. I, I like this question of now what? And I went through this question about 12 years ago where, where I simply asked myself, am I happy? Would I be happy 10 years from now doing what I'm doing? You know, outside looking in, I had pretty much everything, you know, the hot spot, sports car, you know, making quite a bit of money, helping a lot of people, which is a huge part. Uh, but, but when I was really honest with myself, the answer was no, I wasn't, I wasn't happy because I thought there was a bigger impact I can make. And what happens at that point is you have to actually make a gigantic leap. So what what got you to where you are now is not going to get you to this next spot of connecting your head, your heart, your higher purpose. It's really easy to go back and and go back to like these golden handcuffs Mm -hmm. uh, of of just continuing to do what you've always done. But a little bit of your soul kind of dies each day. I call it a cosmic alarm clock. And Mm -hmm. it's like this little voice inside your head about, you know, maybe there's something more uh, or you can hit snooze and, and ignore it or you can make this, this leap. And by making that leap, it usually also requires you to give up something of what you thought your identity was. Mm-hmm. Sometimes very, very painful for, for entrepreneurs that have been successful to really, really look at their lives and say, okay, now what? And typically it involves saying, what is the higher level of service that, that I can be doing? And, and what does that look like?
1: So you talked about the now what you talked about starting with the real why and the cause and the community. So on a tactical journey, what is the promise that you make to entrepreneurs? And can you give, without getting into IP, at a
0: higher level, the path with Yannick? Say that one, the facts?
1: The path that I would follow the journey with you.
0: Yeah, the path. Yeah. Uh, It's, you know, everyone has a different journey, like you said at the beginning. And, And that's so interesting because... You know, in Evolved Enterprise, I think in the acknowledgements I wrote for my kids, I said, you know, I've only created um, uh, path markers for you. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, if for everyone, they have to follow. I almost think of it as like there's joy and joy is not just happy, happy. You know, think of, people think of like joy and bliss and they're like, oh, I just want to eat ice cream cones or I want to, you know, whatever, eat pizza. But that's not joy. That that very quickly becomes a stomach ache. It's it's like joy is feeling fully utilized and truly showing up as who you are. So part of it is unraveling, you know, who are you, Arjuna, at your essence and continuing to, to look at that. And also looking at the shadow side of, you know, the things that we don't always want to put out in the, into the public. Like how has that moved us? How is that, you know, how do, what do we need to look at that? So this constant evolution of, of ourselves, which then allows us to start moving down this pathless path. It really is, setting a new vision for yourself like a higher evolved and enhanced vision. What do I really want to be doing? And what would that look like? So to me, questions really create our, our answers. And so, you know, that question I mentioned about the 10 years, you know, one of my other favorites is what would my 111 year old self tell me? And and so then it, it really gets into, okay, what from this elevated viewpoint from, you know, this person that has seen everything that is, that is loved and lost and, and gone through all sorts of things, like what would they tell you? That really helped me when i started my my journey with maverick which was that other company i started and and all of a sudden you know four hundred thousand dollars goes by and my wife's like what the hell are you doing so i asked myself this question with my 111 year old self and i answered it using my left hand your non-dominant hand because it actually opens up your full brain and it was light a thousand suns who each have the, the capacity to light another thousand suns And it really changed the trajectory of what we were doing because it wasn't just to build an adventure travel company. It was to change the way business is played. And so, you know, I I think asking questions like that are incredibly powerful. And there's not like a, you know, a little answer like this that happens. It's it's really a pathless path. One of my other favorite questions is, what would I do even if I knew it would fail? And this takes into account, uh, you know, one of the most revered spiritual books, you know, which is the Bhagavad Gita. And this idea of that we're only entitled to our labor and if we put our full heart and soul into something, but we're not entitled to the fruits of our labor, which is a fascinating concept for entrepreneurs that are usually into, okay, what's the results? How do I monetize this? How do I how do I make this a sale? Um, What are the numbers behind it? And, And so that actually takes out our attachment to what happens. So those kind of questions are the things that put us on this on this greater path.
1: As I'm listening to you, I can
0: see a book. (laughs) calling <laughs> Pathless path coming from you. There you go. I like pathless path. Yeah, that's I nice also answer. see
1: eleven questions by y- Yannick. <laughs> you know, going to you know the Bhagavad Gita. I grew up in India with my grandma, and my grandma was always trying to help me understand the difference between passion and attachment. She taught me passion is what you bring to any journey but attachment is what you have forever. It's with family, it's with relationships, it's with faith, whatever you have. And I was not getting the concept. Then when I was in high school, a friend of mine got cheating and he was getting expelled or some bizarre thing was happening. And all of a sudden I was protesting against his expulsion. My grandma and you know, growing up in India, you know, she just literally got me by the collar, brought me home, gave me a few smacks on the head, You know, I call those reset button presses. (laughs) And then she explained to me that this big concept, she explained to me that your friend has every right to dream for amazing results, but then all he or she can do is put in maximum effort. But at some point, when you see your effort is not getting you the result you want, you put more effort but if you get obsessed on result and not the effort that is the reason he cheated because when he saw the gap could not be overcome by any other way and that was a big thing i learned is it's just like right now you and i do not know each other that well if we choose to run a 100 meter race all each one of us can done do is our personal best Like you may have been a high school athlete or an Olympic tryout and you'll kick my butt and most either way you'll do it. But if I was focusing on just beating you, then it's an unrealistic goal. And just to beat you, I may have to then trip you or do something which I'm not proud of because that's the part where I really love that whole concept that you brought about. It's all about the effort you put, the passion that you have, and somehow being detached because at the end, results come to you based on a lot of factors not just your efforts but on the other side my grandma also told me results do not come to those who don't put the effort so you always have to put the effort so thank you for taking me to a nostalgic journey with my grandma
0: yeah no i, I love that uh and, and let me just stop talking that for one quick moment which oh, is, absolutely go ahead please i i love that notion that you brought up arjun your grandmother obviously is a very wise soul and it's when we. Um, to put in that effort it's uh, sometimes if, if we're not getting the results that we want it's actually better and mm-hmm. and so i'm going to bring up another you know this it's, it's kind of it, it feels a little bit funny for me to to tell you about ganesha but but that's one of my favorite you know deities because of this this concept you know ganesha is is the elephant headed deity that you know many people have seen and 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 it's known as also as the remover of obstacles but not as well known also the placer of obstacles Mm -hmm. And I love that concept because sometimes we can put in our full maximum effort and we're not getting what we think we want because now we're attached to what we want as a result. But really there's something more that shows up because of the obstacle or perceived obstacle in our way. And that was for me, you know, when I had this whole mind map and vision of what we were doing with Maverick Business Adventures, it was different than what it is now. And it's so much bigger now with this entire ecosystem that that I've envisioned and this entire, you know, one degree concept. So, so I, I, I'm so happy for that, that moment and not during it, but, but after for sure.
1: And I also think that you hit a amusing, you know, great nugget right there you shared with us is, sometimes it's the obstacles that make us bigger. So when I was at Papa John's, we were getting ready to launch the first online ordering and a very renowned author, Jack Trout, and he and Al Reeves wrote a lot of books. Jack Trout, in those days, we communicated on facts, and a fax to Papa John's founder and you know John Schnatter, that be careful about this online thing. I still have the copy of the fax. <laughs> and of course, what the facts did was, literally I had a small budget and one of the zeros from the budget just vanished because of the fax. We as a team sat together. And of course, we were using a lot of choice words against Jack Trout, who we didn't know personally. <laughs> But then at the end of the day, it struck us, Jack Trout gave us the opportunity he doesn't give everybody else. We were the only team on this planet who were given the opportunity by Jack to prove Jack wrong. Years later, I met Jack Trout. I was getting ready to write the book, Customer Karma. And I told him, sir, this is what you had done. The facts, of course, he said, I wouldn't have sent that facts." I said, no, sir, you're not getting it. And I'm here to thank you. Because for us, we lived every day Thinking we were the chosen one who have been put at this highest level of the video game. And this chance nobody else got. We achieved because of the challenge. And I love the connection. I also have to go back to Bhagavad Gita, one thing. My name is Arjun. Mm. And I asked my grandma, why did you name me Arjun? I was expecting, you know, wise. She looked at me and said, no, Arjun, that's none of those. Arjun is the person who asked questions to Krishna in Mahabharata. And because Arjun was the only person who paused and asked the question, we got the knowledge from Krishna. And then she, with her big eyes, the tiny woman came close to me and said, you may not be the smartest person in the room, but you will pause and ask questions. And that is the reason we named you Arjun. And that really stayed with me because, you know, it's boring to know all the answers. Yannick. Yeah, But knowing when to pause and think, I don't know about you. So many times I could have get I could get to destinations faster if I pause and check ways or get directions instead of driving like a goofy man. So I really feel that those are two thoughts that I but I want to go back to Maverick. Tell me a little bit about the journey for Maverick, how it started, impact you have made in even one person's life? I want to get a little more clarity on the impact, please.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it started really to itch, it scratch my own itch, as I mentioned, you know, that, that, that question that I asked, do I want to keep doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? And I use uh, my journal quite a bit. I love journaling as a process of, uh, of really getting all the ideas out of our heads and, and, and putting it into, into paper. It actually has uh, been scientifically proven to uh, make you happier by creating a beginning, middle, and end on on paper, and I teach journaling, and I love that process. But in my journal, I came up with three circles. You know, you had mentioned them way earlier. So that originally it was a dollar sign, happy face, and a heart. It's just changed to a tree to represent growth. And so now it's growth, impact, and fun. And that was the only thing I wanted to do. I wanted to hang out with my friends who are all other successful entrepreneurs, and and go off on adventures and have business sessions in the middle of nowhere and have a charity element. I thought you know that would be the ultimate. And it was, uh, except for one pesky little thing about a business model. And so, you know, that was when, uh, you know, after, after about $400,000, that's when my wife's like, what, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't to build an adventure travel company, it's to change the way business is played. So that's when we changed it to Maverick 1000. And it's really been about helping these entrepreneurs figure out what is, what is now what for them or what's next. And, and many of them are incredibly successful and, and they just want to continue what they're doing. But some of them are at that inflection point. And by putting us together in unique experiences, unique. So I love uh, sandboxes. It's almost like creating the sandbox and you bring exceptional people together. Something magical is going to happen. We talked about connecting, catalyzing and co-creating and creating these unusual experiences, whether it's uh, could be a costume party, uh, where everybody's dressed up and we take our theme parties extremely, extremely seriously uh, to, to just like presenting them new opportunities for evolutionary growth. Like in 2012, uh, we, we scrapped our, our annual summit, which normally would have been like the first week in December. And I said, no, we have to go to Riviera Maya and, and be there for the calendar change for this, this, you know, uh, December 21st solstice change. And my team's like, you're crazy. That's four days away from Christmas. And we brought people, and, and brought them into a Temescal, which is kind of like a sweat lodge. And we literally came out at midnight on solstice. Like it was a synchronicity that could never have been planned. And, and people's lives have been changed where they've realized there's something more that I want to accomplish here that, you know, that isn't just in business. It's using my business, but using the leverage and network and talent that I have for something mm-hmm. more.
1: So you're talking a lot about the impact. Can you give me one example again? Yeah, sure. Where that a person achieving something that made you and your wife go high five because those are moments, Yannick, if we achieve even once in a lifetime in a world where most people want to take you are giving, that makes life already a mega success. So do you have a moment like this?
0: Yeah, I, I have so many. One is more, one of my favorites is uh, you know we, we bring entrepreneurs and leaders to Necker Island, which is Richard Branson's private island. We've done that for about 11 years now and Every time we do that, there's also a big uh, project that we're working on. So a key thing that we work together with his nonprofit called Virgin Unite. And so they brought to us a project. They said, we have this, we have this old World War II boat, uh, the, U, the Yo 44 uh, that is sitting in, in Virgin Gorda the next to adjoining island. And, and we wanna maybe do something with it, like sink it, turn it into an artificial reef. And so I love um, putting entrepreneurs to work and we make it fun and playful. So we break them off into teams and literally uh one of the teams came up with this concept to say let's, let's not, not not just making an art reef uh, or sorry not just make it a reef but it's making it an art reef and they also build burning man art cars and they said we could put this gigantic octopus kraken on top of the ship make it a reason for divers to go down there have all these other pieces attached to it as well um, where it's not just an, a reef and not just an art reef but also a way of helping the local community learn how to swim as well, where the local dive operators would be charging uh, a small fee that then goes to the community. And we raised additional money right then and there. And it was a, a much bigger project, I think, than anyone imagined, but it took us a year to do it. And now it's sunk in the BVI. And the next year when we came back there, we, we had this amazing three-hour sinking party uh, with, with Richard and everyone there and a lot of press be- behind it. And not only was that an incredible experience, and the impact for that. But then that turned into a nonprofit that they started to sink other ships and airplanes and turn them into pieces of art. And okay. so it's incredible to see.
1: So I want to go back to something you said earlier. So what is, when you talk to the 111 year old
0: Yannick, yeah. what
1: advice does that amazingly incredible man
0: give you? Yeah, you're listed as a as a Yoda. So I think that you and I share that same kind of that wisdom, and that's kind of who I think about, that Yoda wisdom like that. And, and so the very first thing, so again, like using this concept of non-dominant handwriting is mm-hmm. so powerful. Um, and, and I have a, an Oracle deck called the Cosmic Journey Oracle, and in there are 11 different archetypes, and one of them is your 111-year-old self. And what you would do is actually meditate or get centered and then bring forth that same archetype, which you know, again, has seen everything, is fully content, And, and then you start asking questions from that space. And usually I would use my right hand to ask the questions and left hand to answer. Wow. And and so you have a conversation going on and you can do this with anyone, right? Like, so it could be living or dead, fictional, non-fictional, whatever. So you can bring them forth as well. Uh, But so your 111 year old self, the, the very first thing that I got was that light a thousand suns who have the potential to each light another thousand suns. And, you know, it's so powerful, Arjun, is I'm just making this connection again with us, is I never even knew this, but in the chapter on cosmic vision in the in the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about if a thousand suns were all to rise at the same time, you know, the splendor would would, uh, would dispel any darkness in the world or something like that. And And I never knew about that when I had that realization come forth about the thousand suns. And it was, you know, so, so powerful because I look at a sun as an entire universe creator. Mm-hmm. So if you can help these leaders become entire universe creators and then they can ignite others to become universe creators in their own way in these ripples of impact. That's the kind of advice my 111 year old self tells me.
1: I think that makes you very unique because without mentioning names, there are so many transformational gurus everywhere, but everybody is trying to create a mini Yanik or a mini Arjun. But what you are helping each person be the best them, and you are having this whole element on pass it forward, give it forward, where the journey is not a dead end. Because think for a second, if there was two Yannicks, I came to Yannick once session, I literally would leave dependent on you. I leave like an addict waiting for Yannick to tell me what the next step to take. But this Yannick Silver I'm talking to empowers me not only to be the best me, but also how I can create something worthy to share to another thousand. And that to me is the biggest thing that is hitting me in this conversation because I love that part of giving forward. Of course, now I need to ask my question to you is, if you could have a conversation today and go back to the 11 year old Yannick, what would you, what one advice would you give him based on everything you know
0: right now? That's so funny that you mentioned that um, the 11 year old is another one of the archetypes that I actually <laughs> connect to quite a bit. I can so do you, one. you. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, you and I haven't worked through any of the questions. So it's like, you know, magic again that, that you're talking about that because there's a, a beautiful moment in time, actually. Um, you know, originally we started talking about fun in business, and there's this moment in time, I, I think it's about six, seven, eight to mm-hmm. about maybe 13 to 15 that, that, we have, we have really everything that we need. If you go back and think about that time, you know, what did you love to do that can show up again in your world, but obviously from a higher vantage point, from a new lens that you bring forth right now. And that's, that's really, you know, I actually, instead of telling my 111 year old self, I actually asked my 11 my year old self for advice mm-hmm. because that's what I'm, I'm looking for. And the advice that uh, I'm sure I could even find it in my journal um, because I asked that before, but the biggest Thing that comes forth is that idea of play and I actually uh, I wrote the words play fully mm-hmm. and fully was in parentheses and play is like when you're fully yourself uh, when you're f- being fully utilized like to me working on ideas and concepts and businesses that have multiple layers of impact and having fun with people that I love that's playfully to me like that's and then the byproduct of that is purposefully and profitfully. Mm-hmm. So that's what my 11-year-old self would definitely tell me is to, is to play. And play, by the way, is, is fascinating too, because play represents recreation, right? And mm-hmm. if you break apart recreation, it's recreate. And that's what we're really trying to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, when I kept thinking back at my 11-year-old, I think the play was another big thing that came to me. But also, we were at a very simple time where we hung out with kids who we liked because they made us feel good. Yeah. The bully called me shorty and everything. <laughs> I would not hang out with that guy. And that's the part where at Zen Mango, over time, going back and reflecting on that kid and what connected with the kid, I realized we are all in the feeling business. Okay, And that became the core pillar of Zen Mango is everything you do at the end of the day, if I don't feel good about that, instead, if I left feeling like empowered, but really stupid. I don't think it's a sustainable business model because nobody pays you to make them feel stupid, however brilliant you are. Okay, And that's the part where I really love this whole concept of going back to kids, because that's the part where I found the feeling business too, because life was all about feeling good, because those were simple days, like you and I, I don't want to be a friend. That's it, Yannick. Well, if we could say that in a, such a simple way. Sorry to get digressed, but I want to come back to a process because For somebody like you who reads such a lot, thinks such a lot, always evolving, but there is the side of you which is very action oriented. Every time you're talking about an idea, you're talking about how you implement. Like when you talked about the sinking of the ship, you not only talked about an idea, you talked about three years later, how you guys all went back to celebrate the actual action. And you didn't even stop there. You went beyond by saying, now we created nonprofits for not only ships, and airplanes. I'm like, wow. So what is the process that you follow? Because I find this kind of a success doesn't happen without a process. Is there a ritual or a process that you have to start your day, end your day that you're comfortable sharing?
0: Yeah. I'll talk about the one thing that has always sort of driven me to get things done has been putting a stake in the ground and then moving to that stake, right? So uh, very early on when I was working for my dad, uh, when I started my first little publishing company, when I was helping other other uh, physicians and doctors get more more cosmetic patients and more uh, elective surgery patients, um, I actually created a whole course for them. And I thought, you know, this would be really interesting to sell that because I was doing a little bit of consulting, but it was, you know, you have, you're tied to your, your time. So I think, yeah, I, I'll create a course. And so what I did was I advertised the dermatologic surgery news or something, and I got 10 people to raise their hand, 10 doctors. And then I finally, you know, you talked about the facts from Jack Trout, Every single time the fax machine ran at my, at my dad's office, I'd go up there, running up there and be like, yes, no. And then finally, someone gave me $900. And I told the doctor, uh, thank you very much. It's being republished. It'll be available in 30 days. And then I went to work creating that course. So the course wasn't done, but the marketing material to sell it was done. That mm-hmm. was my stake in the ground. And and I didn't charge them. You know, Obviously, you have to you know know, know what the uh, the laws are around uh, around this idea, but But, you know, this is now done in a bigger way with uh, crowdfunding and Kickstarter and Indiegogo and so forth. But uh, so that gave you the energy to then go out and every day I'd clock out at 5 p.m. and work till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning sometimes on this course. And then I sold it. And then that turned into me leaving my dad's business, which was a very difficult decision to then start what I was doing and then turned into the online thing. And very similar, like, you know, putting something out there and seeing what happens. And then with Maverick, it was the same thing, putting a stake in the ground saying, we're gonna do this Baja Doom buggy racing trip. I don't know who's coming. Let's see if we can make it work. And then, and that's where it happens. So putting yourself out there like that is one of them. But the daily rituals, uh, or different now than they were ever before. Um, actually, meditation has been part of my my ritual now for probably the last seven years. Uh, where I never thought I could do that. I thought I had a million ideas a minute. I could never be still enough. And that's been such a powerful process to actually just have that moment to to bring that stillness to to really tap into a deeper wisdom, even just to bring quietness to your world a little bit. And so mm-hmm. that that is every morning, um, yoga usually five. To, four to five times a week. And then uh, at night, journaling. Journaling before, before bed is a huge one. So processing the day.
1: Thank you for sharing. This is a fascinating conversation. We can go on for an hour more at least. But for us to wrap this, what would be anything else we haven't talked about that you would like to share with the rest of us?
0: Yeah, I think um, one thing that would be really interesting is to consider why are companies... You know, So almost like wherever you are, you have an opportunity to do something with meaning. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: and so I look at, um, there's so many ways, even beyond money, beyond capital, to to put into projects that can make a difference. So as a business, I I think it has the highest leverage to make that good. So you can look at your actual product or service itself. Like, how do we bake in the good or the impact that we want to have, our talent within the organization? How do we harness the ideas of the people that we have within our organization? How do we look at our supply chain? and look at who who are we buying from and, and where is a way of empowering them um, even empowered employment so i look at it kind of like a starfish so that's the fourth one is empowered employment uh, and then our distribution channel or our voice and utilizing that so it's like we have so many ways that we can make that difference and and start utilizing them and and there's ways that we might not even think about until we start seeing other companies doing it like there's a a package goods company in uh, Pacific Northwest called Pacific, and they uh, take all sorts. Of, they make soups and all sorts of, of goods that, that you know sit on the shelves for a little while. And what they do is they work with a, uh, a food kitchen. They take all their their food that would be perishable, and every month they shut down their production line and say, "Okay, let's create some new recipes out of whatever the heck we have here, and then turn it into these uh, not more more non perishable goods." And so you know you can see how that. There's not money involved. I mean, you know, there is, I guess, because you're shutting down the plant for a day, but, but the amount of impact and the way that the team enjoys that is so much greater than anything else. And it has these ripples of impact. So it's like all these ways that you can make a difference based on where are you and, and what unique gifts do you bring.
1: I love that. And I love the example because to me, I think if I was working at that company, it just gives us that you know, mental destination and as you talked about the stake in the ground that way, like knowing that every month we have that fun day where we create something bigger, I think it adds so much more purpose. So this is the final question. Okay, The year is 2030. You and I are having another conversation. Of course, we'll talk in between again. So where would Yannick be in 2030? Where would your brand be? where would you, are, you know where would you be?
0: Wow, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I look at, so I put out a report last year before all of this interesting stuff with COVID actually called 20 predictions for the the, the transformative 2020s. I think this decade is going to be one of the most transformative decades, pretty much ever uh, in recorded history because of all the convergences happening. And, and for me personally, at 2030, um, it would be looking at a hundred global issues and having little economic empowerment opportunities around every one of these issues, uh, so that are out there. So almost like many businesses in a box, I call them a thousand heroes. Like how do we create a, a thousand heroes that maybe are working on, on plastics, a thousand heroes that are working on composting, a thousand heroes helping the bees, and they're also helping businesses. And that's the way that they win. So it creates this ripple of impact across the board. That's one of the things, that's the first thing that comes to me and probably quite a bit more, uh, it's this idea of like just utilizing, you know, lighting more suns and planting more seeds is all, you know, the only thing I'm interested in.
1: Thank you. This is such a fascinating conversation. Thank you, Yannick. Th- truly appreciate you sharing everything with me. Thank you. Thanks, Arjun. So what hit me in this conversation with Yannick is the whole concept of pathless path. But at the same time, ever since at a very early age, be confident to be you, the authentic you think differently, and believe in the purpose that you can do something different. And I really love that confidence, I think, that Yannick shared with us today, because at every point, he could see the stake ahead to which he's committing to and create the best path forward. And what also I loved is what is in his DNA about constant improvement, constantly giving yourself input because the kid, 16-year-old kid with his cool car and all the stickers for the ski resorts had these cassettes for listening because without that input, we really become slightly better version of ourselves, but not take the big leap forward. So Yannick, thank you again for a fascinating conversation. Thank you all for listening. As I mentioned, always have the best seat in the house to listen to this fascinating conversation firsthand. And looking forward to the next time, bring you another conversation with another thought leader for another walk of life, another part of the world.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.